0: This is the Pain Information Network. Today is an outside edition, so you get to hear birds and uh, some dogs running around or whatever. But um, I'm just going to go through a few things that I think are interesting. This is mostly for providers today, but it's interesting for patients to hear some of this stuff, too. I'm going to go through some uh, literature that I think is really interesting, and it helps us make decisions. It's how we... Go forward with our clinical decision making, and hopefully develop the best clinical outcome. And we're also going to talk a little bit about some stuff I pulled, and a actually a very conscientious representative uh, from a pharmaceutical company gave me uh, regarding the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services prescription and drug overdose data. And why that's important is that well, yes. <laughs> you have to look at this thing nationally as this opioid epidemic, but you also have to look at it regionally. And this is where I practice. So I, I'm really appreciative that I get to see this breakdown of uh, the risk that's around me and the risk for the community because uh, we have to respond to that because, as you know, I treat pain and I also treat addiction. So what I want to do today is go ahead and get started and, and go through our first article and. It's a good one. The first article, and this is by Dr. Manchikani et al. And what I mean by et al is there's other authors, and that's Pampati, Ramson Yaman, he's been on the show, and Joshua Hirsch, he's a educator. The article is cost-utility analysis of lumbar interlaminar epidural injections. I mean, are these things cost-effective in the treatment of lumbar disc herniation? central spinal stenosis or axial or discogenic low back pain that's a big mouthful isn't it well the thing is you got to look at cost and the utility of doing a procedure and if it makes sense to continue to do it look at it through uh, the different uh, randomized controlled trials within the context of cost effectiveness and let's face it the cost of surgery is huge the cost of uh, loss of quality of life, and the loss of productivity has to be factored in. And that's what this does. It's called Quality Adjusted Life Year. And that's what was looked at. And uh, Dr. Manchikani et al. took a single analysis of a single center and evaluated the interventional procedure and physician visits that were assessed on the data and the extrapolation of cost, uh, direct and indirect, and found that lumbar epidural injections, uh, as opposed to other studies, are very cost-effective. Why? That's quality adjusted life year. Compare that to surgery, and that's a big deal. Going back to the sports study, that's S-P-O-R-T, and looking at those data... This, you know, falls right into uh, lockstep. So it's a, it's an interesting article, and you can find it on uh, the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians website. That's ASIPP.org. And you go over and you go to journals and then pain physician, and they're free articles to review and to look up. You have a question about something, you get you get the entire PDF, and you don't have to pay for it. Unlike PubMed, a lot of those you got to pay for and pay for dearly. So I thought that was kind of an interesting article. All right, here's another. All right, this article is called "A Comprehensive Review of Opioid-Induced Hyperalgesia." I had a little something to do with it, but this uh, the lead uh, author is Marian Lee, and it basically goes through the concept that sometimes more is not better. In other words, if you give more opioids, you may actually cause more hyperalgesia or sensitivity. Sensitivity to little stuff, so a little bit of pain goes a long way. And hyperalgesia basically moves the curve. So this is the deal. If your physician or provider is telling you, you know, you're on a lot of medicine, but yeah, you still hurt. Believe it or not, coming down on the medicine may, may actually make it work better. Or just doing a agent shift, changing to some other type of medication. So that's that's a real consideration. And This article kind of highlights that. So it's worth taking a look at. You can search that by the title and um, just, you know, you can look at the abstract and sometimes the abstract says it all. But going into the depth of the article, especially for providers pain care, this is a reference article. Now. Uh, to kind of round it out, you can also find the opioid guidelines at this uh, this Pain Physician Journal website, and they're free. They're extensive in their references. They are not actually written to be read from cover to cover. They're ri- written to kind of be taken in small chunks because they're useful as guidelines. Guidelines are not standard of care. They are, they are a guide. But sometimes they are taking a standard care, which is inappropriate, and they shouldn't be used that way. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the next step here. The next next thing I want to talk about is prescription and drug overdoses. So. The data came from the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. That's ncdhhs.gov, and I'm sure every state gets this data for their region. It's important for providers of health care, particularly those that write opioids or prescribe opioids, understand, you know, the lay of the land. And actually, my clinics uh, are in high abuse uh, territory. One of them has been described as uh, the number one region in the United States for illicit uh, misuse, abuse, and diversion. And the other is number five. And that's the United States. So you got those challenges every time somebody comes in and they have a painful problem. You got to decide if you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. Is opioids always the right answer? And for some, absolutely not. Remember, pain is not an opioid deficiency. All right, so this is the data. From 1999 to 2015, 13,000 residents have died from unintentional overdoses. The majority are medication, they're absolutely drug related. All right, the Centers for Disease Control. The cost of drug overdose deaths in North Carolina totaled. 1.8 1.8 billion in 2015 alone. All right, that's billion with the B. Yes, it affects not only the person, it affects families, it affects the community. Opioid deaths involving pain medications, that's mostly oxycodone and hydrocodone, are the leading cause of overdose death. So, more recently though, fentanyl and fentanyl analogs, these kind of weird things we talked about, uh, before in another podcast, you know the car fentanyls and the like are resulting in increased deaths, and they're illicit sourced. They may be from China, they may come through Mexico, but they're out there. Apparently, somebody's manufacturing fentanyl. It's getting in the heroin. It's getting everywhere. Non-fatal overdoses and administration of naloxone. You know that's the reversal agent that works very effectively on opioid overdoses and this is by emergency medical services, are increasing. So I'll take you back, and I've talked about this before. In a previous life, I was a paramedic in the city and county of Denver, Colorado, and I was kind of around at the um, sunrise of naloxone, and I can tell you we gave that drug a lot, and that was the early heroin. This is the later heroin that is many times more potent. They come up swinging. This stuff works. So if you or a loved one are taking a opioid, you should have one of these uh, rescue kits. That's been rec- recommended by SAMHSA. Health and societal risk of drug use, including HIV. That's what most people call AIDS. Hepatitis C, dependence and addiction, crime, violence, and holding job. That's called employment instability and family disruption are the underpinnings of addiction. So, you know, commonly prescribed medications like oxycodone and hydrocodone can be destructive. It's my feeling that by the second or third oxycodone prescription, you're dependent. You shouldn't stop it abruptly, and you should uh, talk it over with your... Healthcare provider and especially the one providing the medication prescription if they think you are someone that needs to be on it much longer that you know i did a podcast uh, oxycodone i love you i hate you it's a great drug and it works well in the proper context and proper hands it's just like uh you know you can fly an airplane uh, and you can make it safe or just the opposite. <laughs> you know, fly into a thunderstorm. You really have to be careful with these drugs and know what you're doing. Heroin deaths have been rapidly increasing since 2010, and that is true. Um, they, uh, they are just up, up, up over the past uh, two or three years, and it's escalating probably because prescription opioids are becoming less available so, unintentional medication and drug overdose deaths, um, measured by county, go from 20 plus in a couple of years all the way to down to a rate not calculated less than five deaths. The re- less than five deaths in counties in North Carolina—that's a—it's only five counties. <laughs> but the one with 20 plus: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And everything in between, and it's uh, it's a mess. It, it just it's blowing. It, it's just going to blow, blow up a, a, a community and a um, and and put stress on resources. 1.8 billion uh, that that could be applied to schools. That could be applied to hospitals and disease prevention. So let's think of it realistically. Drugs are not benign. They are not necessarily. Safe uh, in a uh, quote controlled environment, because prescription drugs, even though they are in a controlled environment, are the leading cause of death. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and finish this in the next podcast. Um, but it's it's very interesting what it does to um, families and child protective services is reporting. Uh, infectious disease centers are reporting. And the Unintentional Medication and Drug Overdoses by Sex, Race, and Age Group, pretty, pretty incredible. How about uh, greater than 84? It actually is a percentage. <laughs> 65 to 84 is 3.5%. Well, anyway, that's pretty huge. So um, let's uh, swing around, catch back. I uh, was at University of Florida Central Campus, the brand-new medical school. It's just beautiful over the past weekend. And um, I was doing some lecturing, and I did some uh, workshops, and I was in the lab. And we did a board exam. And I have some, I think, really good guests that came out of that. And I'm looking forward to next month when we go to Chicago. And it's a week-long board review and opioid um, training course as well as practice management course, and we're going to have some uh, great guests on there, too. So it's just going to keep, keep rolling. I will get some more really good articles going, but please don't hesitate to go explore yourself. They're very readable, and the nice thing is they're, they're a mouse click, and you just don't get that kind of quality for free anymore, especially in medicine. So, all right, we'll see you soon.